everybody to the You Heard It Here First podcast. I'm your host, Sammy DeYoung. Happy to be here today. We have a coffee table in the the podcast room now. Oh, we do have a coffee table. Where did this come from? Do you know? This coffee table served as the bridge during the Good Friday worship service last oh. Lent season. Where has it been hiding? And it has caused quite a variety of opinions in the office about its... That is correct. Uh, looks. I looks, think it's cool. Looks? Is that the right way I of think thinking so. about it? Sounds kind of judgy if you like that, but that's okay. Well, there's a few who have thought this is the most hideous looking coffee well, table. Well, what do you think? I feel like when I'm looking at it and there's nothing on it, like I'm going to be going into the table. I didn't get that. You don't think this design is a little bit of an optical illusion? It's wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is, Sammy. It is wood. <laughs> but It doesn't look that trippy the- to me. The whole square diagonal. We need to post a picture for our listeners about whether or not this has any. You have to take it from the right angle. Oh, so the angle you look at it <laughs> makes a difference. Interesting. I think it looks fine. Anyway, I think it's kind of vintagey looking. Kind it of is cool. quite vintagey. Uh, it is a solid wood coffee table, and now it's it in the solid. podcast room. I kicked it. <laughs> <laughs> you did kick it. Which was also a hilarious moment that sometimes I wish we had cameras in the office just so we could share some of the things that happen. Yeah. You jumped up and kicked (laughs) the table and said, is it solid? Is it solid? Yeah, I did do that. I just wanted to see if it would survive the youth group students if I put it in the youth group room. I see. But then I said. Podcast. Podcast room. Trying to find some more stuff for the podcast room. Well, I just wanted to look cozier and homier in here, so I might even move where it is, so then the four chairs are all around it. I actually thought you were bringing it in here so that we would be farther away. Well, that's just a happy perk. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm sorry. (laughs) I had no idea that you felt this way. That was mean. That was mean. (laughs) I'm sorry. So, did you go trick-or-treating yesterday? Today no. is November 1. You did not go trick-or-treating. Are you, you allowed to have trick-or-treaters in your building? I don't think so. I also wasn't at my apartment during um, trick-or-treating. Well, maybe. My guess is we get some traffic from your building. I think so. I think a lot of people walk across There's a lot of people who drive into our neighborhood, and because we're the first house sort of into our neighborhood, they park right by us. Oh, Which I saw a lot of people walking across the street into the neighborhood right oh, yeah. here by church. That so those be. are probably two popular, <coughs> popular neighborhoods. Sorry. So yeah, we uh, had a nice campfire nice. and I saw someone from church that you never would have guessed was walking in our neighborhood. By themselves? By themselves. Dressed up? No. Gene oh. Van Steedham was out for a walk. Oh, Nice. I asked him if he was trick-or-treating, and he said no. He's just out for a walk? He said it was so nice out that he decided to take a walk and see what was going on in the neighborhood. It has been so nice out, though. Yes, our children came home with lots of candy, which... What were they dressed up as? So, Evan uh, was a soccer ref. Nice. Because his uh, best friend went as a soccer player. Mm. 
uh, Cole went as a basketball ref. And How does then, that look different from a soccer ref? Well, a soccer ref has like a yellow jersey, and a basketball ref has the stripes, white and black stripes. Well, I guess that is true. Yes, it is true. I just am trying to picture it. Um, Hadley okay. went as Steph. Your wife? So Hadley wore Steph's high school softball uniform. Nice. It's very cool. Very nice. And Tate went as Cole. His brother? Yeah, he went as wearing all of Cole's old football stuff. Fun! So we were a little sports-ish, which fit our family. Yeah, very sporty vibes. But that's Very good. sporty vibes. Very sporty vibes. It was fun. They got a lot of candy. How long do they trick-or-treat for? Oh, man. They went for like two hours last night. Really? It was a long time. They walked the entire neighborhood, which when we walk, it's it's probably, it's two miles to basically walk our entire neighborhood and okay. all the little inlets. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're walking up to all the houses. Yeah. That's on the sidewalk. So mm -hmm. I would guess they walked two and a half miles. Probably. In our neighborhood, um, there's a few spots that don't have lots of traffic, uh -huh. and so they do go big for Halloween. So they'll get full size candy bars. Nice. So they probably had ten or twelve full size candy bars. Dang, that's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. I feel like I always got like maybe one. Did you like trick or treating as a kid? I didn't really get to go a lot when I was I don't a kid. Think... I probably liked it, yeah. I, I think I only went three or four times as a kid. Really? Yeah. I'm trying to think when I stopped. Probably high school. Last year? <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that'll be edited out. <laughs> I don't know that I really liked... I like dressing up, I think. My sister was good at makeup and stuff, so that was always fun. But one year I was smarty pants. I taped smarties to my pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm not joking. That's that is amazing. <laughs> I actually told Cole this year that he should go as a bag of recycling. We could put, we could uh, tape cans and bottles to See, a that'd shirt that would be bag. so funny. I love that kind of stuff where it's yeah, just like cheesy Smarty fun. pants. That's really good. The picture of it, though, is terrible because, like, it was just smarty pants. And I was like, well, what do I else what do else I do? do you wear? Yeah. And I feel like I wore a weird wig or something and I looked crazy. So the funniest story for last night, there was a couple like middle school kids walking by mm -hmm. and one of them clearly had on a wig. Mm -hmm. And I said, so how long did it take you to do your hair? Oh, no. What'd and they, they looked at me and said, it's a wig. <laughs> And I wanted to say, really? But you should have. I no, I had already clear. They clearly did not understand. Yeah. You know how sometimes. Sometimes your sense of humor is hard to my pick sense up, though. of humor is hard to discern, decipher. Yeah. Like Sunday morning when I told the congregation I was upset that they liked the kids more than me. No, people laughed. I, they did laugh. They did laugh. I think you got was, a good laugh with that one. I did get. Probably the best laugh Probably. I've gotten. Probably. Sometimes crickets. Yeah. Oh, wow. I actually go in expecting crickets. That's probably so the when, best way to go. When someone actually laughs or there's an audible hilarity, uh -huh. then I, I 
Wow, that must wow. have been a good one. I should be a comedian now. Is that yeah, what you that think? That is never what I think. <laughs> I am not that funny. I feel like you did a joke again the other day. Anyway, before we get too far into it, we should tell our listeners we don't have a guest today. Pastor Josh and I are just going to discuss some things <laughs> with you people. <laughs> because of the coffee table. It's a coffee table chat. Yes, coffee time. I should have brought my coffee. I've been drinking a lot of coffee lately. How many have you had today, Sammy? Cups. <laughs> Probably four. Cups? <laughs> I'm sorry. Your face when you said that was ridiculous. I don't know what... Maybe that's why I've been so... How many... How much coffee have you had? I think four... Cups? <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> I think that's why I've been so. Monday? <laughs> I, I was going to start the video and I forgot. Well, we... Too bad. This is, this is such a train <laughs> Too <wreck>. bad. <laughs> you still could. Here, you can tell them what we're talking about while I <clears throat> set up the thing. So, Sunday morning, our. Uh, passage is on uh, bearing one another's burdens, and it's probably the sermon that I had gotten the most feedback on. Uh, so thank you for sharing that for those of you who said things or shared things. And uh, yeah, there were a lot of things that we had thought might be worth reflecting on together. And then Sunday night we had mentor night, which is a different kind of burden bearing or being in relationship with people. And so uh, I thought, yeah, we might just talk a little bit about what it means to bear one another's burdens, how we try to do that in a healthy way. And so, yeah. So I guess I'll start it off by asking you, Sammy, as you think about some of the conversations you have with people from youth group, whether they're students or fellow leaders, how do you, how do you try to balance uh, caring for, listening to, but also not taking on someone else's issue or problem mm. or conversation? So in a healthy way, how do you think about that? Like, how do I deal with when we talk about more serious stuff and yeah. don't take it on to myself? Yeah. Um, I don't know, really. I think I just, obviously, I take some time to think about it, even when I'm done with the conversation, and I pray about it. Um, But otherwise, I more just kind of try to be in the moment with them discussing it, and then take some time to, like, think and pray about it. And then I bring it up again with them later if they want to talk about it more and be open-minded that way. But I don't know. I guess I just... How do you do Sometimes that? it depends on what it is too. If it's something like really heavy, it's hard for me to not think about it. Um, but then there's other things that it's like we can have a conversation about that again later. I don't know. I think that's just always been something that hasn't been too difficult for me to mm. compartmentalize. So how do you try to bring it up later in a way that doesn't start the conversation all the way over, but sort of picks things up where they are? 
have you found I, there to be yeah. a good way? Well, I just kind of frame it as like a check-in. I'll say I just oh, want to check in about how this situation is going. Anything new or anything more you want to, anything else that came up about it that you wanted to talk about? Or if there's nothing, I guess, I, yeah, I frame it as a check-in. Like, how are things going? Hmm. What do you do? Well, I think one of the more difficult things about uh, being a pastor is when people share those kinds of things. And um, so often there's uh, navigation between like the high and the low. Mm -hmm. So like Sunday morning after the worship service, somebody had come up to me and said, hey, can we have a conversation this week? We're really struggling with something. And that was immediately after I had run into Pastor Ken, who had flown back after doing worship at Second Byron. Mm -hmm. And so we were sort of kidding each other about pastor appreciation. And so you're going from this high to this sort of, not a low necessarily, but Mm -hmm. something where you really have to be emotionally and mentally present or Mm -hmm. you're going to communicate all kinds of things you don't want to. Mm -hmm. And there seem to be a lot of those kinds of things. Uh, you know, Wednesday night, you know, somebody's going through something during the week. And so you're sort of joking with people in the meal line, mm-hmm. serving them hash browns and mm-hmm. sausages. And then you go talk to somebody and you're, uh, you know, that's sort of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think trying very much to be uh, willing and able to to go to places and talk about things that most of us want to talk about, Mm -hmm. but are afraid to. Mm. Um, One of my good friends, uh, I may have shared this with you before, Sammy, but uh, my good friend, Ben, when his wife, Sarah, died, Mm -hmm. um, he had said later to us as friends, it seems like people are afraid to ask about her, Mm. um, as if I have somehow forgotten she's died. Mm. And so... If they say something about her, like all of a sudden, all of these things I've forgotten will come back. And he's like, I think about that every day. Mm -hmm. So when you ask, it just tells me you're thinking about that too, which means a lot. And Mm so I've always kind of taken that stance with people and some of the things that are going on in their lives. Like they think about these issues all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, These are burdens that they're aware of all the time. Yeah. So to ask about them probably is something they've been waiting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you hear that? Well, I think that's a good point that they're probably thinking about it all the time. And it's just on constant loop in their head. And they don't always have, always have an outlet of someone to talk to about it. So someone coming and checking in on how are you actually doing and checking in on certain situations, they might really appreciate because they it gives them an outlet from to stop just thinking about it and actually hear it. And they might gain new perspective about things too because a lot of times when you're just thinking about it it's just going to keep spiraling stuck stuck in the cycle or it gets bigger and a lot of times talking it through helps so do you have people you don't necessarily have to name them but do you have people that are go-tos for you and you have a burden how do you you know do you journal that do you how do you what do you Um... what do you do I used to be big into journaling. Now I have like a really good prayer journal that I like a lot. But then I also have a couple friends and a mentor that I would go to for those kinds of things. 
Do you feel like every time you tell your burden that it gets lighter? Do you feel like if you tell, you share it sort of most vividly with one person? How how do you, how what is that like for you? I have one friend that I feel like has been my go-to person for a lot of things just because I know that she's always going to be consistent and it's the same thing vice versa she'll come Mm. to me with things too that we're always there for each other and she's just been a constant and I know she's not gonna like judge me and she's gonna be super supportive but she'll also if it's something that I've done that was wrong she'll she's not afraid to like point me back in the right direction sure yeah does that answer the question yeah I think a lot of it I think that's one of the struggles that I think a lot of us have is we want to be supportive. We want to be encouraging, mm-hmm. but there does come a point where you can't say, Oh, you're ruining your life. Great job. Keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> How do you, <laughs> at some point you have to say, we, we got to talk yeah. or they have to say to us, mm-hmm. we have to talk. And yeah, um, those are, painful yeah <laughs> or can be painful conversations mm-hmm. for sure i would agree so <clears throat> how do you think the church this is one of the questions from the uh journal i had or the booklet i had included how do, how do you think the church could better encourage its members to both carry each other's burdens and carry their own load hmm What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do think that there is often a reluctance to be open about about certain sins. Mm-hmm. For example, there's a lot of things now that probably would be acceptable things to share in a group. Mm-hmm. You know, if there was a, a men's group and... You, you got together and you said something like, you know, I want to confess that I probably had too much to drink last weekend. Um, there'd sort of be a nod of the heads and a, yeah, we understand. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I watched something that I should, a movie that I shouldn't have watched, you know, something like that. There'd be sort of a, I want to say an acceptance, but, uh, but if somebody said, you know, I, uh, fantasized about my neighbor's wife like there probably be would be a little bit of a i don't know what to do now Mm -hmm. or uh if they said um all day every day all i think is about how to uh make more money Mm. i'm just infatuated with money So I think one of the struggles that the church has is it has, uh, well, I'm what others call like acceptable sins. Mm -hmm. And you probably can think of a few that are typical or that you've experienced. And so I think part of it is the church saying there are no acceptable sins. So it's, it's both, it's not uh, lowering the bar of sin, but it's saying that all sins are horrible mm-hmm. and treating them as such right mm-hmm. and saying you know if you're if this is your wrestle and your struggle like that's we're not just going to say uh, you can do better yeah um 
But I think also when there's those sins which are in those situations where our initial reaction is to sort of like you did with your face. <laughs> and the one that I said earlier was like to learn how not to do that in yeah. our response. When somebody's pouring out their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a pastor, a friend of mine who shared what a parishioner had told him one time. And it's, it's not anything I could even repeat on repeat, but like, uh, it was horrendous. And so not that we have to be accepting of that, but how do we have the kind of space for those kinds of conversations where we can say, Let, we got to work through this. Mm-hmm. And that's not, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. How do you try to foster some of those uh, spaces in say a youth group? I know you, I know you do a lot with small, some with small groups and try to do mm-hmm. more of those kinds of check-ins is, have you found that to be more helpful than just sort of big group? Like for kids to feel comfortable opening up. Yeah. I think the small groups definitely create that space because it is more likely that kids will feel comfortable because it, it's almost just that time with the kids really helps them get comfortable with you and get to know you and know who you are. And they're not gonna, it's a lot harder to open up in front of the whole group. So not even just with me, but in their small groups with their leaders, I've already seen some relationships formed in a short amount of time where they've gotten comfortable in those smaller groups to be like, hey, even about like light things, just not wanting to get the, to know them more. But that builds the relationship to get to the heavier things like I'm struggling with this or my family's going through this. Things like that really help in those smaller spaces because there's just that more contact with the kids. How do you think about the sharing of your own burden with the kids. And and I ask that because as a pastor, it's really difficult to know what is I'm allowed to say. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's a sense. good question, actually, because it's something the leaders and I do talk about because there's that line of oversharing, mm-hmm. which you don't want to do necessarily, but there's also that line of we're human, too. And we have things that we struggle with and we want the kids to know that we're safe people to go to and that we also don't have it all figured out, but we are farther along in life that we might have some wisdom for them. But we also make mistakes too. But the leaders and I have talked about this quite a bit and trying to decipher what is appropriate and not appropriate to share with the students. And it is kind of hard sometimes being not fake with the students Mm -hmm. but not oversharing is kind of the line that we try to be good about yeah you and i have talked about this before i think um i'm trying to remember when oh when i talked about the uh the vehicle situation and when i shared about my sleeping on the couch and the kids calling Mm -hmm. um parents about mom and dad having trouble and how that had been a a good thing to share. Mm-hmm. I did wonder, could I have shared that in the moment? Mm. You know, it was a year ago mm-hmm. or a year and a half ago that that had happened. Um, I'm not sure. It's hard to know, mm-hmm. like, what's oversharing, you know, if... <laughs> that January morning, if I had gotten up and said, hey, 
Steph and I are having marriage troubles because of this vehicle and are super stressed, is that a is that allowing the church to bear our burden or is that just us oversharing and probably in an inappropriate way? And uh, as you've noted, there's a really fine line there. Mm -hmm. And to me, it would, it certainly would feel like I was oversharing. Mm -hmm. Like I was putting our stuff out there for the church to solve and Mm -hmm. not for a, I'll call it a gospel proclamation. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think? No, I think that's a good point that a lot of times if you're going to share something that you've gone through or struggled with, you want to share it on the other end where you've already kind of learned from it. So you can Mm -hmm. use it to, so the other people might benefit from it and learn from you that way. Not just saying, here's what's currently going on and it's really stressful and I don't have it all figured out yet. You couldn't say you're like going through some stuff or whatever to be open about your life, but it's not, a lot of times you want to use those kind of stories as a teachable moment is kind of how I think about it. Yeah. And share that situation with the people who are sort of in the trenches with us. Yeah. Yeah. Not more widely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think about that. I don't know if you listen to the, um, on the, another look, I talk a little bit about, um, friendship and how sort of that piece plays into some of this and, Mm -hmm how we have friendships that are for a reason, friendships for a season, friendships for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I reference Jeannie Allen, um, Find Your People. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've gotten into I that book I started reading but, it. Um, but that whole idea of you have lots of people in your life who you are connected to, but there's really only, uh, there's a, a select number that you're giving permission to to call you out mm-hmm. and to really speak honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly for me, that's those friends from seminary who sort of have permission at any time to mm-hmm. call me out and say things. And um, we've done that for each other. Mm-hmm. Not always easy, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, to, to make sure that we have those kinds of relationships um, and keep them alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are important. <clears throat> To me, I think this is one of the spots that is going to continue to be one of the more difficult parts of being a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the world and the culture around us would very much like to say, you are who you are. Accept that. Love that. Uh, whereas the church really encourages us to be like Jesus mm-hmm. and those parts of us that aren't. Mm-hmm. need to be refined mm-hmm. and we can't do that alone and it's painful when someone says i don't see you living in a way that's honoring christ mm-hmm. but we do have to hear that from each other or we don't grow mm-hmm. i think that might be the hardest part right now is a lot that's a big thing kids are hearing or even everyone's hearing in society today is it doesn't really matter just be who you are and don't worry about it which i think you said this on sunday didn't you that you're supposed to come as you are but don't stay that way which i thought that was a really good point because that's a i forget which pastor that is but that's a pastor i'd heard a long quite a few years ago say that Mm -hmm. i thought that was really good yeah yeah the church is the the mechanism or the place, so to speak, that God uses to help 
us not stay that way. Mm-hmm. Whether that's in a discipleship ministry or a fellowship ministry or, you know, elders and deacons who challenge us. Uh, that's all part of the process mm-hmm. that God uses to grow and shape us. Mm-hmm. So as you think about the mentor night, we had Sunday night mm-hmm. where... How many how many mentors and mentees were there? It was think, a really good number. I think there was a little over fifty people here with wow. mentors, was, mentees, and night. helpers. It was well, very fun. Well done. Thank you. Um, I was cracking up yesterday at the pictures. I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> I'm it just just to see which ones you share. I'm gonna post some. Well, I'm gonna post most of them on Facebook, but I literally had tears streaming <laughs> down my yep. face. I was laughing so. So, hard. in full disclosure, before my serious question. I am sitting in my office trying to work, and I hear in the room next to me uh, what I cannot accurately discern. It sounds like Sammy is crying to herself. Like well, I was trying to laugh quietly. <laughs> I was trying to laugh quietly because they were all so funny. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. And so I, I don't know if this is laughing or crying. And so <laughs> if it's crying, uh, so I finally went over there and I walk in and I find Sammy laughing in tears. So it was <laughs> ah, both. It was both. Yeah. It was both. But, they were uh, so funny. Yeah. Obviously, the mentor-mentee relationship varies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you try to match up yeah, mentees and mentors in a way that you hope will grow. but. Mm-hmm. How do, how do you think about that in terms of some of this conversation? It doesn't have to obviously be the whole burden bearing, but yeah, as a way of developing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of it is the burden bearing. I guess our mentor program is to pair one student with one adult in the hope that they form a relationship where they get to know each other. It's not just the mentor trying to get to know the student the student gets to know the mentor as well. And just a lot of times people say they end up benefiting both ways because it's fun to get to know the students and it's fun to kind of share their life with them. But it's also beneficial for the student because they might be able to learn something from these people. Yeah. Well, I don't want the mentors to hear it as like, you're only a mentor to bear the burdens of the student. We hope that it's a positive experience for you as well. But we also hope that you're able to pour into the students and that they might open up to you and go to you for guidance. Cause a lot of times, obviously parents have the most impact on their students, but it's nice to have that outside adult to also get some perspective and some insight from as well. So that's kind of the hope from I our th- program. I think that's one of the things too, that I, I hope was heard on Sunday. Cause it's something that I've struggled with myself over the years is that when you, when someone shares something in from their life, something that's mm-hmm. pretty significant, mm-hmm. and you know that this is a big deal, mm-hmm. you feel like you have to carry it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's not what we're called to. We're not called to pick up the rock for the other person and then yeah. drag it down the road. Um, we're called to pick up part of it and then lay it at the feet of Jesus. And so... Uh, when I remember you asking and describing this ministry to me, I, I remember you talking about prayer being a significant part of it, right? That the mentor prays for the mentee and what they're going through and checks in. And mm-hmm. that, and that was really helpful mm-hmm. just to think through. And so that's one of the things I try to be aware of is I think about my mentee and 
what his life is full of. And so when, when I, yeah, drive by his house, um, I think, oh, you know, praying for him and some of the things that I know he's involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not like a big rock to bear, but mm-hmm. uh, trying to build that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's those relationships are extremely important mm-hmm. um, within the context of church. Yeah. I do think it was cool to see all those people here on Sunday, too, because sometimes, not that I forget about the mentors, but it's like the youth group leaders see the students quite a bit. But it was really cool to see all these younger students with their adult mentor having fun together, hopefully having some good conversations sometimes, too. So it was really cool just to see a program that I think is really good that we just don't see in front of our face a lot. So it was it's very encouraging, I think, and hopefully it was a good, it's pretty early in the year yet that it, hopefully it continues on in a healthy way this year. And it worked out well that it was after your burden sermon. So it all just connected very well. <laughs> connected so well. Yes. Well, those relationships too are time driven. I mean, I look at, I'm in my second year with uh, Isaac mm-hmm. for Kids Hope and mm-hmm. how different our relationship is now compared to a year ago when we yeah. were just starting. Yeah. And I think you're in year three. 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 But yeah, like you sort of, it takes time mm-hmm. to develop trust and uh, to prove your steadiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see that a lot in in Isaac, mm-hmm. that there's just a, a deep sense of wanting me to just show up. And mm-hmm. the more I show up, the more trusted I am. And yeah. I th- think that's true in a different way with with our own church mentor situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad you're doing it. Yeah, me too. It was very encouraging for me to see. It was. But it's a positive thing and it was very fun. Very funny. I hope people like the pictures. I hope so too. Well, this has been a little bit of a different podcast for us and for the church. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll move the coffee table out so we don't do this again. What? What? What do you mean? Never mind. I didn't get that. Sorry. No, but this was, I think, a great conversation, and I hope people enjoy it. Yeah. Let us know if you have things that uh, you thought of or came to mind or feedback that would challenge or encourage mm-hmm. as we think about this within the discipleship ministries. And thanks for having me and Sammy. Yes. Thanks for taking the time today. Have a good day, everybody.